You are listening to the Spectral Skull Session. Tales from the twilight world of myth, mystery, and imagination. The idea behind this podcast is that we explore claims about the occult, supernatural, and paranormal from an analytical standpoint. We're open to the existence of a world beyond the five senses, and we dismiss that dogmatic skepticism that insists that any story about the unexplained has to reduce to hallucinations or swamp gas. But we're not committed to any particular theory or philosophy about what the paranormal is, and we realize that, whatever is out there, the answer is likely to be more complicated than any existing model or theory. What we bring to the table is small s skepticism, a skepticism that we throw as much on the mainstream accounts as we do on the supernatural story. Okay, let's get started. Good afternoon, good evening, welcome back everyone to a special emergency bonus episode of the Spectral Skull Session. I am your host Dane, reporting as always from the independent nation of Georgia. This episode is emergency bonus. We've been gravitating towards an equilibrium of about two episodes a month, given just the time availability that I have right now with work. However, I am releasing this episode because of extraordinary developments taking place inside the United States related to unidentified aerial phenomena and the possible threat they pose to the national security, health, and well-being of the United States of America. Please let me explain two big stories here. The first is Senator Kirsten Gillibrand's UAP amendment, the 2022 National Defense Authorization Act. This is not the bill that funds the military. It's the bill that tells the military how to use their funds. Funds are appropriated in another bill. As previously reported, multiple members of Congress had proposed amendments to the NDAA that would create a permanent office to investigate unidentified aerial phenomena, UAPs. On December 7th, the NDAA containing a version of Senator Gillibrand's amendment, finally passed the House. Now it goes on to the Senate, where there are no doubts it will pass and become law. The final version in the bill is not the same one that I reported on previously. They've made further modifications. Nevertheless, the final amendment that made it into that bill mandates the Secretary of Defense Do the following. First, create a permanent office to investigate UAPs, which may be either in the Department of Defense or a joint office between the Pentagon and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence. This is left to the Secretary of Defense's discretion. But either way, the mission of this office will be to organize UAP reports by both the military and intelligence community, as well as develop a standardized reporting procedure for handling UAP sightings. The mission of the office also includes evaluating links between unidentified aerial phenomena and adversarial foreign governments, as well as the possibility that other foreign governments or even non-state actors may be behind the UAPs. It will also assess whether aerial phenomena are a threat to the United States. Finally, employees of the federal government will be notified about procedures for reporting UAP encounters including, quote, adverse physiological effects. We will be returning to this in the second part of the episode. Also worth noting, 
that this bill orders the Secretary of Defense to order a plan for analyzing what UAPs are, and it includes the science plan that will enable testing theories. So the science plan asks the Pentagon to figure out how to test theories that, quote, account for characteristics and performance of unidentified aerial phenomena that exceed the known state-of-the-art in science or technology, end quote, as well as replicate their characteristics. So what are we missing from the version that I mentioned earlier? We are mentioning any discussion of nuclear technology. So the earlier amendment said that specifically one of the roles of this new office was to investigate why UAPs are so curious about our nuclear submarines, our nuclear missile bases, and all of our nuclear tech overall. So that section has been cut. Perhaps more important, the Science Advisory Board has been completely eliminated. Sorry, civilian scientists. As noted, when we covered this, I thought the Science Board was a little bit sketchy because of the tightness of the UFO community and the inclusion of civilian UFO organizations on the list of groups that would be asked to send delegates to advise the Pentagon. I'm not too concerned about cutting that board. I think it's great if the scientists stick to doing work that is publicly accessible. So if they focus on stuff that, that the public can look at and they don't look at classified data, then they're doing a parallel research project to what the Pentagon is doing. And I think that's, that's promising. Another very exciting episode of this news story is the bipartisanship we're seeing from Congress on this issue. Among the amendment's co-sponsors are Senator Roy Blunt, a Republican from Missouri, Lindsey Graham, Republican from South Carolina, Marco Rubio, Republican from Florida, Martin Heinrich, Democrat from New Mexico. Senator Gillibrand, herself a Democrat, also said she worked with Representative Ruben Gallego, Democrat from Arizona, on the inclusion of the amendment in the policy bill. So I'm really happy to see Republicans and Democrats recognizing that this is a threat to all of us. Of course, I remain a little concerned about that science plan and the possibility that the U.S. government will take responsibility for developing a renegade research program that is disconnected from mainstream science. One new site has already characterized the science plan as being like that scene in the movie Independence Day, where a team of government researchers, led by Brent Spiner, are discovered to have been holed up at Area 51 for the past 60 years, trying to reverse engineer a crashed alien spaceship. Indeed, it does seem that we are entering into a world where the movie Independence Day is increasingly relevant to our everyday lives. My worry is a little more prosaic. I think that if government types are supervising some kind of classified reverse engineering program, there's the potential to breed a secretive cult-like community inside the government. As I've previously reported, Professor of Religion Diana Pesolka has written about an informal club of UFO enthusiasts who have ties to the defense industry and intelligence community who have been named the Invisible College. I think there's already a kind of esoteric UAP counterculture entwined with the U.S. government and defense industry. My view is that openness and connectivity are essential for keeping people grounded. I don't want government money wasted, and I don't want people to use a veil of secrecy to cultivate an aura of power or privilege. And I also don't want separation of church and state 
to be indirectly circumvented by a de facto UFO cult inside the government. Uh, This show really needs to do an episode on the history of connections between the intelligence community and cults, the occult, and paranormal. In my research for this show, I've come across a shocking amount of documents and secondary sources suggesting that the U.S. and British intelligence communities have a tendency to drift in dark esoteric directions. If you, like me, are concerned about occult influences on the future of our civilization, you'll be very wary of the accrual of power, prestige, and authority in the hands of shadowy players who don't have to answer to the public. I'm cheered that this amendment forces the Pentagon and intelligence community to take UAP seriously, to destigmatize UAP reporting among U.S. military and intelligence personnel, and to make regular reports to both Congress and the public. But this is not the only exciting news in the air today. Our second story is even more incredible. An interview published just this weekend by Vice News. Vice News interviewed professor of pathology at Stanford University, Gary Nolan. Professor Nolan attests to have spent time working for the U.S. government investigating UAPs in two different ways. First, he's been looking at some of the negative physiological effects that UAPs have on those who observe them. This part is pretty wild. Nolan, who had previously done work debunking a popular UFO claim that an alien skeleton had been uncovered, was subsequently contacted by the intelligence community and asked to examine their UAP materials. He describes pattern in UAP observation. People see UAPs that seem to be listing or otherwise in trouble. The UAP then proceeds to vomit some kind of sludge and then recovers control and flies off. He has samples of the sludge, and in one case, the sludge is what he called an inhomogeneous mixture of magnesium isotopes. An isotope is where you have the same element but with a different number of neutrons. Sometimes that causes the material to be radioactive. In this case, that does not seem to be the case. But in any event, an inhomogeneous mixture is basically a poorly stirred mixture where there's irregular clumping. So in some cases, you sample it and you get one isotope of magnesium. In other cases, you sample it and you get a different isotope. According to Nolan, it's possible for humans to make something like this but it would be very, very expensive to manufacture. This is consistent with what I've heard Jacques Vallée and Eric Davis and others report. Um, So the significance is that this gentleman is investigating these uh, UAP droppings, so to speak. And this is not just some gentleman scientist. He's published over 300 research articles and is holder of 40 U.S. patents. He's been honored as one of the top 25 inventors at Stanford University. This is a highly legit person. Now, the story has an even weirder note, and this is the connection to the adverse physiological effects. Nolan originally got mixed up in helping the government work on UAPs when they contacted him about Havana syndrome. Havana syndrome is a weird, controversial ailment that befalls State Department workers overseas. 
diplomats and embassy staff. And now we have indirect confirmation, I'd say it's also befalling CIA operatives abroad. Anyway, it's a neurological condition that involves hearing clicking sounds and then developing serious neurological problems like headaches and extreme sensitivity to light and sound, and generally undergoing neurocognitive degeneration. Something like trauma or post-traumatic stress syndrome overtakes people who have Havana syndrome. It's highly controversial, but in any event, the intelligence community came to him with MRIs of federal employees. These employees had suffered neurological damage. He says in the interview, it was clear from examining their MRIs, they were, quote, horribly, horribly damaged. He describes this as a, as a mixed sample they brought to him. The military or intelligence community dumped in his lap people who had Havana syndrome, along with people who had encountered UAPs. There's some implication that there was an overlap there, but it's, the interview is ambiguous. He also mentions one person who was at Skinwalker Ranch, the famous haunted ranch in New Mexico. Looking over the MRIs of these brain-damaged people, Nolan noticed a commonality, an unusual structure of white matter in the basal ganglia. This is a part of the brain involved in both motor functioning and higher-level decision-making. At first, Nolan thought there was a common pattern of damage to the basal ganglia. Then as he researched it closer, he realized that actually it was just a region where neurons were very closely packed together. He concluded that this is likely a functional part of the brain that hadn't been previously observed. That is, some people seem to have an additional organ or sub-organ structure inside their basal ganglia. So it's buried deep inside their brains. So he's finding people with this brain damage, and they all also have this new structure. I gather that Nolan believes that these people who had this brain damage qualify as being very high-functioning. They're unusually capable people. In his view, not just smart, but possessing very quick decision-making capabilities. And their decision-making capabilities are explained by this structure. So he thinks the high density of neurons in their basal ganglia would give them high level of intuition and the ability to notice unusual things in their environment, including UAPs. In the interview, Nolan reveals he's a believer in UAPs, and his view is that some people are just more sensitive to them than others. This is part of why so many of us don't even notice them. Apparently, we don't have the highly developed brain structures required to detect the UAP phenomena. If it sounds a little bit confusing, I want to say I absolutely believe it is. It's very unclear to me how Havana Syndrome, UAPs, and Skinwalker Ranch are all linked. As near as I can tell, the issue is just that the government came to this guy and they dumped in his lap a big mess of X-Files that all involved people with neurological damage. And then as he went through all, the, all these files, Havana Syndrome, UAP Encounters, and Skinwalker Ranch, he found a common thread, which was this previously unrecognized structure in the brain that helps make people highly functioning. As near as I can tell, the professor is strongly implying that if you have a particular kind of brain structure, you may be sensitive 
to certain kinds of paranormal phenomena. Perhaps that makes you a target for Havana Syndrome. This recalls a 1980 sci-fi film called Scanners, where the intelligence communities of the U.S. and Soviet Union are duking it out behind the scenes using psychic powers to literally make each other's brains explode. And of course, I'm being facetious here, but um, I was, we're, we're through the looking glass now. We're getting into some very weird stuff, no matter how you cut it. What's bothering me is that as the, the quality of the evidence that this UAP phenomena is real increases, the phenomenon resolves into being something more disturbing than it was before. So it's not like, I always thought that as we learned more about UAPs, we'd be like, oh, oh, it turns out the abduction stuff isn't real. That was just stuff people added on. And, you know, it turns out that some of the weirder stories you hear, those were just fake or, or invented or delusions, you know, and that there's some, some like threat of reality to the phenomenon that would be more prosaic and manageable within the sort of uh, worldview that I already had. But it's actually kind of the other way. It seems like the more we get high-quality research come out on this stuff, the more it's taking us into some, some directions that are extremely weird and extremely dark. Between Nolan's interview and Gillibrand's amendment, we're seeing multiple vectors confirming that these things are hurting people. Uh, Gillibrand's amendment specifically mentions that one of the core duties of this new UAP office is to investigate adverse physiological effects that result when personnel encounter UAPs. We're hearing from this Stanford professor of pathology that this person at Skinwalker Ranch, the only way he could explain the MRI, the MRI data he saw was if the victim had been standing near an electrical transformer that was frying him from the inside. These things are dangerous, if not malicious and hostile. And I have a lot more to say on this topic, but it will have to wait. This episode was just supposed to be an update. Apologies if it's rough, but I think it's important that we get this information out there I promised I would keep you updated about the Gillibrand Amendment, and so I have done that, and I've added to that this new story, which we will also continue to watch. Until next time, everyone, maybe take a deep breath and relax a little bit. Stay strange, but stay sane.